FM Breakfast Show with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. Special welcome to those listening from Marysville in Victoria this morning on 88, in Manham, South Australia, also on 88, or Maryborough in Victoria, also on 88, if you're listening on one of those stations this morning. Give us a call or shoot us a text message. Let us know. We would love to hear from you. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? How was your weekend? And Lawson! Oh, wait, we don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, I had a good... (laughs) Blake does that for us. (laughs) Correct. I really enjoyed just yelling at the top of my lungs to start the show. I know, me too. But, you know, Blake, Blake's doing a good job. Hey, I had an amazing weekend. I got to go to K-Group on Friday, so that's hanging out with my friends, eating food, studying the Bible. I preached on Sabbath at the Multicultural Church. Shout out those guys. Shout out the big A-Frame Multicultural Church here in Newcastle. It was awesome. It was Youth Sabbath, so all the young people were, were running the show, which was great, and there was great music and a great time. And then yesterday, oh, I had the best day, Lyle. I hung out at home. I worked on my motorbike. Oh, you worked on your motorbike? I rode some motorbikes. Around my backyard, and just how, just how close is yours to getting? I've got the engine in. Okay, I've got, I've got the engine in. I just cool. need to. I just need to plug everything up. That's yep. that's that's the deal. Connecting so up. Stage. I've just been connecting up, and just yeah. But it was it was awesome. What are you grateful for? How was your weekend? I got nothing done. Oh, that's that's amazing. Wow. Yes, I got nothing done. Uh-huh. So I'm not sure about that because I was planning to have a very productive weekend. But on the other hand, uh, our granddaughter stayed, so that was nice. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're about to get into positively different news. Before we do, what we do here, as always, is have a quiz. And I'm super excited about this one because we're going to have a new prize for this week. Don't know what the prize is yet, but oh, you're about to learn. I'm just sort of looking at a distance on a piece of paper. I'm turning it over, Lyle. Which is at the far end of the desk, <laughs> and it seems to have something to do with Food. Correct. Well, this week we are interviewing Jeremy Dixon on the show, one of our favourite guests. Celebrity chef. Who we get to call up, ask all things vegan, healthy, amazing, tasty food. Of course, he is the founder of the Revive Cafe in New Zealand, which is world-renowned and known for yes. having some of the best vegan dishes in, yes. in, on the planet, on the planet. And we are giving away two of their cookbooks. In the, we're talking to, we talk to Jeremy Dixon pretty often, but we're like, hey, Jeremy, we'll give away your cookbooks. Uh, you know, we'll just, we'll just give them out for free. Well, we paid for them. So we're giving them out provided that you can win the draw, which to get in the draw, you have to answer questions correctly. So the first question is, how many unclean spirits are mentioned in Revelation 16. 0491 Now, if you know the answer to that one, you will go in the draw. And if you want to know all about the draw, you can head to our website, faithfm.com.au, to check out our terms and conditions, all about the quiz and the draw. But again, that question was, how many unclean spirits are mentioned in Revelation 16? Uh, bonus bonus uh, bragging rights if you can tell us what they're like. Oh, ah, 
They're like something. I, I'm I'm close to saying it, but I don't yeah. want to. Yeah. <laughs> 0491 is the number to call or text. All right, let's have some positively different news this morning. Okay, I've got, you know, I've got positive news, but, you know, that positive news is kind of like also a bit controversial and... Oh, know, let's just get this to let's do it. Ask questions. I will as argue well. with you this morning. So this because t- I am right and you are <laughs> <laughs> okay. We might agree <laughs> on this laugh. Uh, no, but actually, a study has come out that was done by the University of Utah, which confirmed, uh, which concurred with a study that was done at Harvard as well, that had a look at two hundred thousand different women. Okay, who were suffering with different types of cancers, specifically ovarian cancer, or in that region. Mm-hmm. And they found that by regularly taking aspirin, okay, which is a pain relief medication mm-hmm. similar to Panadol or ibuprofen, by regularly taking Rat poison. aspirin, you could reduce your risk of developing ovarian cancer. Furthermore, aspirin was solving all kinds of heart complications and was good in regular low doses. And you know what the other solution that would produce exactly the same thing is with a whole bunch of extra health benefits uh-huh. not associated with aspirin? Uh-huh. Garlic. <laughs> garlic. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I Absolutely. I garlic agree. is a you know, so aspirin is a blood thinner. Mm-hmm. So it's very useful if you've got heart problems and mm-hmm. if you're and, and, and by the way, we're not prescribing anything here. We're not telling yeah, you go I, and go I and get rid of to, your I just wanted to talk about medications it. and just replace it with garlic. But but garlic is also a blood thinner, it has the same effect on the blood. Uh, so if you've got heart issues and those kind of things, then mm-hmm. garlic is a good way of keeping your blood thin so that your blood can travel through those constricted arteries. Now uh, if you look at cancer and those kinds of diseases as well, garlic mm. is likewise. Garlic's kind of one of those cure-alls. Cures wow. everything, including your friends. Well, I think reading this article, I was just really interested because aspirin, in, in my mind at least, I kind of lump into that same category as, you know, Panadol, ibuprofen, you know, those yes. over-the-counter medications that you can take to help you overcome pain. Painkiller. Pain and... Like, well, at least for the other two, Panadol, you know, ibuprofen, like they're like paracetamol and ibuprofen. They're like so warned against and cause so many health complications mm-hmm. by taking. Yeah, you know, pop a Panadol when you're in like desperate need. Yeah, I avoid I avoid all kinds of painkillers, but, but like a plague, at the including same, aspirin. But at the same time, it's like, but then people speak against them a lot. And I personally know someone who went from, who basically like they had an Oxycontin addi- addiction and had to go off it. And so started taking like 75 Panadol a day Ooh. and like just ruined their Ooh, liver. And now kill you. it like definitely, and we're not talking about taking that much aspirin, but people are saying, oh yeah, if you take a low regular amount of an over the counter painkiller, it will solve your cancer problems with peer-reviewed research from two reputable yeah, universities really to back that. it up. I mean, I've got, I mean, hey, this is peer-reviewed research. This is going to be some fairly solid research behind it. I'm just sort of thinking a pill compared to surely there's a natural way of achieving the same thing. Mm. And a much 
And surely there's a better way. For sure. I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts and opinions and start the conversation this morning. And maybe you guys have some insight into this as well. I'm by no means a doctor, but 0491. Maybe somebody who is a doctor can, can, can give us a rundown on the benefits of uh, garlic versus aspirin <laughs> as, a, as a blood thinner and also as a cancer preventative. Yeah, that's right. Because I'm just like, I'm just reading this article and it's like, oh, yeah, this is good. And I'm like, is it though? I feel like it's never been good. But I feel like, well, I mean, hey, pills are great. Uh-huh. The problem is that we should not make pills a replacement for yeah. lifestyle. Now, that's, that's our biggest issue. Yeah, definitely. Now, there is like specific like prescription medication for certain issues, but aspirin, paracetamol, and ibuprofen aren't those. Sure. You just buy them over the counter because yeah. they make you feel better for a temporary amount of time. They're one of those things that I always avoid taking them unless I absolutely have to, and I could probably still count on my fingers the number of times that I have used that kind of medication, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's a good thing. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to keep these for when I'm really going to need them. Yeah, definitely. I think for me... I'm going to build up a tolerance. I think for me, like the only times I can remember taking Panadol or aspirin in like the last five years was either I broke a bone, um, I had like inflammation in my mouth because of wisdom teeth and I got COVID. I think that was it. Yep. Those all qualify. Other than that, it's like, I like, I have a headache. I'm like, drink water, go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I couldn't agree more. You know, but at the same time, you know, it, it's because it's not prescription medication. It's not solving a specific problem. It's like, Hey, usually you take it when you feel bad. And it's like, but there's other things you can do. Yeah, that are no, I think we've got. I think we've got one of our health experts coming on. Maybe we should, this week. Maybe we should um, ask, ask them this ask question. Them, ask them. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I want to know. But hey, if you guys have any thoughts, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. I've got another story here that's related to health, and just oh, I, I talked about a story recently. It was about tricking the brain, tricking the nervous system in regards to chronic back pain. How. Doctors are now seeing that as not necessarily a bone muscle joint problem, but more as a, as a mental problem and a nervous system problem and tricking the brain into undoing the, the, the behavior of the nervous system that is causing chronic back pain and saying like, yeah, well, here's another story. And I think this is pretty obvious and clear, but at the same time, I just find it really interesting that essentially they've done this big study with 150,000 people who have bought all kinds of uh, wearable active, you know, activity trackers. So your Garmin's, Apple Watches, you know, all those kinds of things, Samsung Watches, whatever, Polar, those watches that you buy that I see Producer Shell has one and I know lots of people who are kind of getting into them to track their fitness. And they're like, oh, yeah, like you are on average uh, going to exercise at least 40 minutes more a day if you just wear one of these watches. Yes. And they're like, that's just because it just tells you to do it. Like, you, it, it will encourage you, you know, it's investment as well. And if you wear one, you're just more likely to exercise by wearing it. Which I think is interesting because it's like, oh, but aren't they wearable activity trackers? But at the same time, a lot of these watches are just watches. And they function in lots, lots of different Wearable ways. activity tracker that keeps the time. That's right. And calls people and you can pay for things with. I haven't had a watch for... But this this is the deal. I've, like, never used a watch. And there's been times You're the generation that's always had a a timepiece in your pocket. That's right. And, like, whenever... Isn't it interesting how timepieces have gone in circles? Yeah. Dude, totally. Because we used to have a timepiece in our pocket Uh and then we put it in our wrist and now it's back in the pocket again. That's right. Dude, I wear... Like, I had a Fitbit, like, four years ago 
I wore it for like two months, but I just kept finding myself looking at my phone. Obviously, Fitbits like track a bunch of other things too, but I wasn't really paying attention. But I was like, I just kept opening my phone up to check it every time I've, but not just Fitbits, like any time I've tried to wear a watch, I just look at my phone. But hey, if you want to work out an extra 40 minutes a day, again, we're not recommending anything. I recommend, hey, you, you know, you can just Whatever pencil it takes in time. Whatever you out but there getting exercise dude, and fresh air. One of these watches, apparently it helps. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And now we are going to get into another clue for the quiz. What animal spoke to Balaam? All right. Ooh, that's a bit freaky-deaky. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. And if you do, you'll go into the draw to win our Revive Cafe cookbooks. Number four and five specifically, those... No... I'm wrong. It's number three and four, those two volumes. If you've never seen these cookbooks before, I advise you to look them up online and just try and keep the saliva in your mouth. They're massive. Dude, the best part about these cookbooks, they are beautiful. They are full of incredible pictures of the food, which is like the best part of having a cookbook, honestly. Like that is the Uh, most... Maybe not the best. best No, 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 no. It's the best. It's the best part is the pictures. The cookbook. <laughs> Eating what you produce from the cookbook. No, but this is the thing is that the pictures motivate you to cook. You can you can True. Look, you can look up recipes online and cook them, but these are like the top notch, top tier Jeremy Dixon Revive Cafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not your average recipe. This is the best of the best. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. What animal spoke to Balaam? All right, heading to more serious news. Been a tragic fire in a church in Egypt. Oof. This was a Coptic Orthodox church. About 10% of the Egyptian population are Coptic Orthodox. It's left 41 people dead, 16 hospitalised. Uh, this church was four stories high, so mm. a rather large building, and contained two childcare centres. Uh, amongst the victims, 10 of them were children, including, including two sets of twins. Mm. And these siblings were aged three and five years old. So that's mm. really, really tragic for that family. Um, also amongst the death was the bishop of the church. Oh, wow. So, yeah, this church has been pretty hard. hit pretty hard. It seems that it was caused by a short circuit in the air conditioner on the second floor, which left a whole bunch of people trapped on the third and fourth floor. And when they tried to escape down the stairwells, there was a rush and people got trampled and mm. a lot of people died that way. Uh, being crushed in the stampede heading down the staircase. So this was in a church. Was the church four stories tall or were they having yes. church in another building? It's unclear exactly what was happening here, but the church is four stories tall oh. and there were people in the up, on all levels of the church at this particular time. Wow. I'm un- unsure whether there was a worship service in progress at the time or whether mm. it was just... You know the childcare centres and other activities that were taking place at the church during the week, but uh, yeah, mm. you know, you travel to some of these countries like Egypt and so forth, and you look at the quality of the wiring, and you mm. see you know massive bundles of wires on the sides yeah. of oh, buildings yeah. that you couldn't wrap your arms around, and you think, how does this ever not just go up in massive amounts of smoke? And this time, tragically, it did. Mm. Massive fish kill in Europe in the Oda River. So we've had some fish kill events here in Australia in the last few years. Even recently here in parts of Lake Macquarie, we've had fish kill events. Mm. This one is a puzzling one. They were initially thinking that it may have been mercury poisoning as a result of pollutants being released into the river. They've found that that is not the case. 
but that it has been caused by high salinity, but they have oh. not been able to figure out what the high salinity is caused by. So this is the Oder River. It's one of the largest in Central Europe. It goes for about 854 kilometres from the Czech Republic to the border between Poland and Germany, heading out into the Baltic Sea. So it's affected both Poland and Germany because it's the lower reaches of uh-huh. the river that has been hit. Uh, the Polish... Uh, Prime Minister said on Friday that huge amounts of chemical waste were probably dumped intentionally into his country's second longest river, causing environmental damage so severe that it would take years for the waterway to recover. Uh, The Interior Minister has posted a reward of one million zlotys, Mm -hmm. about $310,000, uh, that would be paid to anyone who helped help them track down who was responsible for this. Mm. So far, the Polish people have removed 10 tonnes of dead fish from the river. We don't know how many the Germans have removed. But wow. in Germany, the Schwettmeer, uh, Anna-Kathrin Hopp, called this an environmental catastrophe of unprecedented scale for the region. Mm. And when we see these kinds of things happening in our world, once again, it's a reminder that our world is, as the Bible says, growing old and wearing out like a garment. Mm. That's what the Bible says. And it's a a sign, it's a reminder that we are nearing the end of time. Can I ask you a quick question? Yes. You said that they died of high salinity? Yes. Is this a freshwater? This is a freshwater river. Okay, okay. That's the problem. These are freshwater fish. Yeah. But but it runs out to the sea. It does, but it's not the sea running back into the river. Oh, okay. It's the river itself turning salty. Yeah, wow. So what's going on there? that's tough. Who dumped what into that river to turn the river salty? Yes. There has to be salt coming from somewhere, if if not the ocean. So, yikes. Indeed, indeed. Okay, we did say that we would talk about areas in the world and a country in the world where Christianity is growing and it will surprise you. Oh, yeah, I want to be surprised. Uh, pick a country that would surprise you. Uh, Australia. It's not Australia. <laughs> it's Afghanistan. Really? Yes. So this is interesting because they're just celebrating one year of Taliban rule in Af- you know the return of Taliban rule in yeah, Afghanistan yeah. celebrating that today but the indication is that according this is according to an organization called Release International uh, that Christianity is growing and one of the uh, things that the Taliban is doing is that they are now monitoring the mobile phones of suspected believers wow. who are attempting to get in contact with spiritual leaders Christian leaders mm. outside of Afghanistan. The reason for this and the reason they're able to track this is these are reports from Christian television channels mm. who are still in regular contact with viewers. These channels are all outside of the country, but we now live in a world where those channels go everywhere mm. and they're able to stay in contact with believers. They've found that the believers are still meeting together regularly mm-hmm. but under very difficult circumstances and very secretly. Um, So, yeah, somehow, very carefully, very cautiously, they are getting together and they're getting reports from a number of sources that Christianity is actually spreading through the country, uh, both inside Afghanistan and also in the Afghan diaspora. So the Afghan diaspora, as Mm. a result of the war that lasted there for 20 years, 
is quite significant around the world. Yeah. And a lot of these people are showing very strong interest in Christianity, mm-hmm. having moved to other countries. And Christianity is growing there, which is cause, causing the growth of Christianity back in Afghanistan because obviously they're in contact with their family and relatives. And the TV stations are able to monitor the amount of interaction that they have in a particular country and uh, we can see Christianity growing. We can't mm. hear about it. We can just see it happening mm. online. So it, once again, it's one of those examples that we find where you have a situation where the gospel is going to parts of the world where we could never go in the past. Mm. But as a result of modern technology, we certainly can now. One quick last story that will uh, lead us into our interview of the day uh, was a mob attack in Pakistan, and this one actually had a decent ending. This was where a large Muslim mob was found marching towards a church and chanting against the Christians there. They were very agitated, they are very eager to attack the church. Uh, it seemed like this was going to get completely out of control and a lot of people were going to die. Uh, the police arrived and immediately engaged with the Muslim leader and the priest. So they got mm. the leader of the mob and the priest together to say, okay, what's going on here? How can we sort this out? And it came about as a result of a youth seminar titled False Prophets. Mm. This was a youth seminar looking at lots of false prophets teaching lies on TV in the United States, preaching the prosperity gospel. Uh The local Islamic community saw the advertising for this particular series and thought they were talking about Muhammad. Yeah. They just assumed these are Christians. If they're going to talk about false prophets, they're going to be talking about Muhammad. No, they weren't talking about Muhammad. They were talking about other Christians. Wow. So when they were able to get the leader of the mob and the priest of the church together, have a bit of discussion... And everybody went home and the leader of the church and the leader of the mob uh, got together and signed a peace agreement. So, yeah, an unusual one for Pakistan. It's not the story that we did. Yeah, it never hear. really ends amicably It doesn't like that. usually end yeah. well in Pakistan. Good to hear that it did this time. We need to pray that it continues to do so. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're about to head to interview of the day. Before we do, we have another question for our quiz. Another question for the quiz here. True or false? The Ark of the Covenant contained the sword of Goliath. 0491-064-669. Again, that question was true or false? The Ark of the Covenant contained the sword of Goliath. And if you get that one correct... You will go into the draw to win the Revive Cafe cookbook. Well, we have two of them here. And you you can win them if you get your name pulled out of the draw, and you can get your name in the draw if you answer this question correctly. So 0491-064-669. True or false, the Ark of the Covenant contained the sword of Goliath. All right, if you know the answer, you know the number to call. But joining us on the phone right now is Tony Benjamin from Voice of the Martyrs. Normally at this time of the month we have Etienne McClintock. Uh, Etienne is overseas in the United States, and so Tony Benjamin is the CEO of Voice of the Martyrs here in Australia. Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. 
Tony, what's happening in the world of a voice of the martyrs? Uh, we, we, we typically talk about areas, hot spots of persecution around the world. Uh, we just covered a story here, an interesting story of indications of a rise of Christianity in Afghanistan in incredibly difficult circumstances. It amazes me that, you know, sometimes you see these areas where there is so much persecution and yet Christianity increases. We're here in Australia, there's none, and Christianity goes down. What's going on? Well, that seems to be the norm globally at the moment where Christianity in the Western world is struggling, whereas in persecuted countries, Christianity is just flourishing. You mentioned Afghanistan. We find the same thing happening in Iran at the moment and much the same in China. Um, that's just the way it is. And I think when when people's faith is restricted and limited, they seem to draw on God even more and that's what causes such an explosion of um, people coming to Christ in these countries. Yes, it's certainly challenging for us who live here in the affluent West when we, you know, we complain about the, the, the small problems that we face each day, which are really first world problems, and even the restrictions on religious liberty that we see here, which are very concerning because, you know, we know our history and we know that history repeats itself. Uh, but we also see that you know our problems are small compared to their problems, and yet they're having a stronger connection with God somewhere along the line. That's very, very true. And you know something, you were talking about hotspots, and you mentioned Afghanistan. Afghanistan, what a challenging environment at the moment for anybody that identifies as a Christian. Mm. And um, But China, much the same today with uh, Xi Jinping trying to get a third term, is really putting the pressure on everybody that is a perceived threat to his regime. And Christians in China today are really, really struggling to just to function normally. Just to be able to function normally, it's challenging for them. So um, within the context and the realm of which we function over there, it's been very, very hard to get much done yet people still find a way, you know. We've gone back to the, the church of the Book of Acts in China where people are worshipping in their homes, in their families, in their family units. But that is how the church is growing and the church conti- continues to flourish in that country. Yeah, and we can really praise God for that. Um, and, and we also praise God for what Voice of the Martyrs does to support this movement, you know, in these in these very challenging Countries, what kind of stories are you hearing coming out of places like China or Afghanistan, etc.? Well, Afghanistan at the moment, we've got Christians still constantly moving from place to place just to uh, avoid being caught out by the Taliban. Um, we saw on the mainstream news on the weekend how they dealt with a little protest that some women had, and it was very severe. Christians are still under extreme threat there because of the fact that their bio, biometrics have been given to the Taliban. They're tracking Christians via mobile phones. They're tracking Christians via the networks that they have there. And anybody that's caught there, it's either going to face imprisonment or death. There's no other way they're going to deal with them at the moment because they're trying to make a statement. And um, yet we still have a number of Afghanis stuck in places like Pakistan, and those sorts of areas. Um, Voice of the Martyrs is trying to support many of them by trying to get them out. The Australian government, however, is saying, no, they've got to go through the UNHCR. So how does that happen? You cannot go to the UNHCR when you're facing Muslims working at the UNHCR saying to you, why are you here? You saying to them, but I'm a, a Muslim convert to Christianity. 
you'll get dobbed in. So mm. that's an impossibility. That's just not going to happen. So this is one of the challenges we're having at the moment in trying to help some of the Afghanis get out of that place to whichever country is willing to take them, not just Australia. And I think it's, it's significant that these are people who have become Christians in very difficult countries rather than what we've seen from time to time where people have come to Australia as a student or something similar, decided that they would like to stay in Australia because of the economic benefits that Australia offers, offers and the easiest way to, to get refugee status and stay here is to convert to Christianity, but it's not a genuine conversion. If you're in Afghanistan and your life is on the line on a daily basis because of your faith, it seems to me that these are very genuine Christians that we're talking about. There are genuine cases, yes. We find like some of them stuck in the UAE at the moment trying to get out. Some of them are turning their back on Christianity and saying, look, with, you know, because of the pressure back home, we're just going to go back to being Muslims again. We are finding that, but that's in the minority, well in the minority. The genuine Christians that have not yet reached the place of safety but are stuck in a holding pattern in whichever country they fled to, um, they're finding it challenging, but they're holding firm. Mm. Now, if you've got uh, people from Afghanistan in the UAE or somewhere like that, how much easier is it for them to be a Christian in that kind of a country, which is still Islamic, compared to Afghanistan? Are they still facing persecution there? Yes, they are, even in the refugee camps where they're at, because they're all mixed together. They're all classed as Afghanis. They're not... They're not uh, sort of spread out as Christians and Muslims. They're all mixed together. So many of them still worship in secret, even in that refugee camp. And and some of our team have actually been there and met with these people, and it's challenging. It's really challenging. It seems as though the world has forgotten about them now because of, you know, the Ukraine. And many other countries have turned their back on them. If you look at the UK, the UK is offering, you know, visas for people from the Ukraine. And if you need... If you should know the challenges we had with getting the UK even to listen to the plight of Afghanis, they also just turned their back on them. So it's really challenging being a Christian and being an Afghani convert at this point in time. And this is one of the things that has really puzzled me has been the rush, the, the seeming rush that the world has made to take in uh, refugees from the Ukraine. And, you know, I support taking in refugees wherever we can. I think that we are, you know, a wealthy and a blessed country. We should help people out where we can. But there has been, you know, uh, almost a rush to take them from the Ukraine, but not from the Middle East. We've been very, very reticent to take any kind of refugees from the Middle East. Do you think there's a... A, you know, a, an aspect of like, well, these people are more like us than those people kind of situation going on? Look, I really don't know what it is, but you cannot help thinking that in the manner that this has played out. You are correct in that respect, because we find that Australia is putting their hand up and saying, oh, we've taken so many. No, they haven't. They've only taken people that have helped them, and that's a handful. Nowhere near what the rest of the world has done. Places like Brazil have taken more than Australia. So when you look at it, you can't help but think that, you know, there's something there that's preventing them from doing it. And, you know, I do not know. Perhaps it's the fact that people from Europe would integrate better. I do not know what the answer is. But I can honestly say to you that this current Labour government is dragging their feet on this issue, something severe.
And what's interesting is that they sort of pitch themselves as being the ones who would be much more aggressive on, you know, pushing this issue than what the previous government was and would have, you know, much greater levels of compassion, but we haven't seen it yet. Yes, and I would like to challenge them on that statement if that's a statement they're making because it's simply not true. We ride at the coal face of trying to help these people and it's not happening. Mm, mm. And, you know, there's times when I've spoken to members of the ADF that were involved in you know, if, if Afghanistan and in the in the final days of, you know, the the uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan and you know the list of people that they had that they just simply didn't get out, just didn't get them out of the country, and kind of like, well, what are we doing for them now? It almost feels like, well, the whole war is over. The Taliban have won. We've moved on. Yep. We've forgotten about Afghanistan. It's not uh, interesting anymore. It's not important anymore. So we can just leave these people be. And as you say, large concentration camps. And amongst those, very, very vulnerable people, vulnerable because of their faith. Yes, that's very true. And you know, it's coming up to 12 months since that, that extraction out of Kabul has happened. And there are still many unresolved cases of Christians stuck within the surrounding countries of Afghanistan that are still waiting for safe passage. Mm, mm. What can we do to, you know, I mean, we, we sit here and we listen to people with this kind of a plight. What can we actually do to alleviate this situation? You know, something we we talk about, what can we do? And that is a a good question. We should not be silent on these issues. We should be rallying our local member. We should be encouraging people to speak out in faith and 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 challenge our elected officials as to why they're dealing with it like this. We shouldn't be silent. Silent is the last thing we need to do. Yes, we need to pray, but with that prayer needs some action. And we need to challenge our elected officials and say, what are you doing about this? Why is this like this? We do not want this. So, you know, we elected them. Surely they need to be held to account. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it seems that the that the media used to give our previous government a very hard time over their record on refugees and they've yet to speak up with our current government on it. Hopefully they will start to do so as they start to see, well, nothing has changed, nothing is happening, you know, nothing is moving. We need to get something happening here. Surely. And, you know, the honeymoon is over for the new government, I believe, and we're going to start putting pressure on them regarding this because it cannot continue along these lines indefinitely. They cannot continue to blame the previous um, lot for what's happening now. They are in charge now. They need to make decisions, which they're not at the moment. Mm. They're not making one decision on this at all, you know, regarding Afghanistan. And that is a real concern for us. And it's time we spoke up about it, which we will. It, yes, it definitely feels like it definitely feels like everybody wants to just forget that Afghanistan ever existed and get back to their life. And of course, with all of as you say, the uh, Ukraine being a massive distraction there. Tell me, what other parts of the world? One of the one of the areas of the world that I keep, uh, you know, I could probably do a news report on Nigeria every day. Uh, we we're, we're seeing massive persecution happening over there as well. What, what what's happening in some of these other parts of the world? Uh, as far as persecution goes? Well, if you look at Mozambique at the moment, further south, which is next to South Africa, there's a, a number of challenges there with Al-Shabaab once again, um, which is another name for ISIS. Um, they've also made life very, very difficult there. They, after the money, because it's a rich oil and gas country, Mozambique, 
Uh, and they're causing the locals no amount of angst over there. And this is about uh, 12 months ago where they beheaded a number of Christians on a soccer field. And um, that that problem still exists there and will continue to grow in Africa. When they eradicated ISIS from the Middle East, ISIS moved to Africa. So this is the hotspot for ISIS at the moment. And they've, they've from places like Nigeria, Chad, some of these other countries, Somalia, they have bases around there now. So what's going to happen in Africa is it's going to destabilize Africa even more. And the world is not interested in Africa, as it seems. Well, a lot, less interested, a lot less interested in Africa than the Middle East. Exactly. I mean, as you say, there, is, there are countries there that do have, you know, fabulous natural resources, but... Yeah. There's just there. You, you're right. There is not that level of interest in the in in the resources Correct. of Africa as what you've got as the um, the oil rich countries in the Middle East. Correct, and that's a dangerous that's a dangerous scenario. That is a dangerous scenario for anyone. And when you look at South Africa, South Africa is being peppered by um, the the ideology of ISIS at the moment. Um, there's a there's been a recent case where Guns were smuggled into South Africa, and luckily it was caught. But what what wasn't caught? That's the challenge. So there's a massive destabilization going on in Africa at the moment, caused by the you know the words of ISIS. So when you look at um, when you look at Africa per se, I can only see Africa getting a lot more destabilized because of this, and the influence of ISIS continuing to grow and moving further south. Mm, that is very um, concerning. I mean, when, when I look at Africa, I see a country, well, a, a continent where, generally speaking, the governments are not as well organised as the Middle East to be able to withstand something like this, combined with a lot less interest from the rest of the world in actually doing anything about it. It seems like a, a, a perfect breeding ground for extremism. Yes, not only that, the influence of China in Africa has been equally strong. So you're dealing with these two evils at the moment, from the CCP and from ISIS. Mm-hmm. Uh, that does not bade well for Africa moving forward. Yeah, last time I was in Africa, Lawson and I were in Ethiopia, and the amount of Chinese investment into Ethiopia was just staggering. And, of course, you know we know what's going on. They're buying influence. Exactly. Mm. Exactly, they're buying influence and buying all the natural resources Tony Benjamin, tell us uh, very quickly we've, We're out of time, but before you go How do we get in contact with How do we interact with Voice of the Martyrs How do we support the work that you guys are doing The best way to get in touch with us is Go on to vom.com.au That's our website um, You can subscribe there to receive our monthly magazine Also And um, that's the best way to contact us. What I will ask you guys for is please continue to pray for the work of Voice of the Martyrs and pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much. That was Tony Benjamin from Voice of the Martyrs doing a tremendous work around the world in areas where Christianity is being persecuted. Right now we're going to move on with the show. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.